Welcome to the 2019 Wealth Standard Podcast, Season 1, Capitalism. And now your host, Patrick Donahoe. Hey everyone, welcome to uh, the Wealth Standard Podcast. This is Patrick Donahoe and I have incredible gentlemen today and uh, his name is Dr. Paul Jenkins and we've known each other for quite some time. I had the opportunity to be on his uh, podcast a month or so ago and it's always just a pleasure talking to him. He is a psychologist. He's a speaker. Uh, he's a podcast host. Uh, he's authored uh, two books, uh, Pathological Positivity and Portable Positivity. And uh, like I said, he's a podcast host. His podcast is Live on Purpose Radio. And today we're going to talk about psychology, his specialty. And I have some uh, questions to ask him just in regards to how we tick and uh, what motivates us and uh, the environment that we are talking about this entire season, capitalism, and why environment is important as part of the human experience to grow and to achieve what we're all after in life. So tall order, Dr. Paul. Tall ah. order today. Well, <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Why don't you maybe take a, a moment and introduce yourself to our listeners. And thank you, Patrick. You and I, both PhDs, right? Yeah. <laughs> You Your earned it. I was born with the initials. <laughs> there you go. Honored to be with you. And I've enjoyed my associations with you over the years. We go back a ways. And we've learned some stuff in that time. As you said, I'm a professional psychologist. I left the tribe of traditional psychology and I jumped onto positive psychology, which is a little different animal because we're not interested in the question, what's wrong with you? I think that's the wrong question, but we focus on, okay, what are the principles that allow us to live at a higher level of functioning and to enrich our relationships and our experience in life? And you said that it's a tall order you know, to take on this topic, but really it's pretty simple what we're after. What makes people tick? In my book, I pointed out that we all have the same agenda. And in my book, I call it The Feeling, capital T, capital H. We describe it in different ways. Some people call it happiness. Some people call it success. One of my favorite alternate words for it is joy. Whatever it is, it's that feeling that we're after, that feeling that life is good, that I'm in a good place, that I can reasonably anticipate good things to come, it creates a feeling and that's what we're after. You think about it, everything else that we do is toward that end. Yeah. And it's interesting, like the common belief is that circumstances, right, are the means to get there. Like if I had this, then I'll be happy. If I had, yep. if I had this career or was making this amount of money or, or drove this car or married this woman or did this or lived here, like then... I'll be happy. I mean, it's right. not like we deceive ourselves in a sense in order to create criteria in order to have that feeling. How do you approach that? It's not even a new idea, Patrick. This goes back through eons of yeah. time. And all you got to do is talk to somebody who has all that stuff that you think will make you happy. And they will tell you that's not it. People it's, don't believe them <laughs> for whatever reason. It's interesting. In the psychological literature, we have known forever that happiness and success are correlated. There is an actual correlation, but we got it backwards because we used to think, and some of us still persist in this myth, 
We used to think that therefore, when I'm successful, then I'll be happy. And we got it backwards. It's the other way around. And the research is supporting this in some phenomenal ways right now. When we are happy, then we are successful. (laughs) I mean, how else are we going to define success when we've got the feeling we're good, right? But we've also found that happiness in all the ways that we can measure happiness is correlated with success and all the ways that we can measure success, including finance, including relationship, including health. It's correlated and it's causal. And there's a lot of good support for this now that choosing happiness, and you've heard, right, that happiness is a choice. And honestly, that just irritates and annoys some people because they're like, well, why would I ever choose this? They don't see that they are. My job as a psychologist is to illuminate the obvious, which is really cool because I get paid to tell people things they already know. I know. How awesome is that? But there's obvious things that are completely unnoticed. One thing that I think about often is the process to understand this, right? Whether it's someone that has a session with you or they go to a seminar and it is kind of highlighting the, the obvious I've thought about there's a narrative in society that if we put a person, I'm talking as a society, not you know me, but yeah. we put a person and we give them a home, we give them food, we give them a job, we give them this, right? And we kind of like force them into a situation, right? Assuming that they're just going to achieve their, they'll be happy, they'll be fulfilled, they'll be their life is complete because we gave them all this stuff, right? Right. And I find it interesting that it, it really never works. Right. And so, so in fact, sometimes it makes it worse. Yeah. It makes it work. But why is that? Because it kind of goes back to the same thing. Like if I had this, then I would feel this way. If I had this, I'd feel this way. When it's another person's initiative, like when maybe it's a brother or a neighbor or an acquaintance or a friend that's in hard times, right. And we want to help them. We have this empathy toward them that we want to give them a job or give them some money or give them a place to live. And we think that because of that, now their life's going to turn around, right? Mm -hmm. So why doesn't that happen? Everything that we experience gets filtered through our amazing mind. And this is where the key is. Our mind, I said that there's things that are obvious but unnoticed. Like the feeling of your clothes. Can you feel them? Yeah. Is it obvious? Yeah. But you didn't notice before I called it to your attention, did you? That wasn't, the, that wasn't my focus, yeah. Right, or the fact that we're speaking English. Did you notice? Mm-hmm. Or we're speaking, we're making sounds with our mouth and tongue. And, and it's obvious once it's called to your attention. Yeah. But we huh. get programmed into uh, routines that just automatically play out. Until we become aware of them, we're not in a position of choice. Mm-hmm. Once we're aware... It puts us in a position of choice. And the two processes that I try to help people understand that are going on in our mind are evaluation and creation. They're very separate processes. You engage your mind to do both of them. Evaluation is just judgment. And notice, as I bring it to your attention, notice that you're constantly judging, aren't you? Yeah, you judge yourself. You judge your circumstances, you judge your spouse, you judge your workplace, your coworkers, the environment, the 
economy. You judge all of this stuff and you can't turn it off because your mind is constantly seeking for meaning. And so you have to evaluate or judge everything. Just notice that you're doing it. Okay. And then the other process is creation. You can't turn this one off either because your mind is busy creating what is to be. And that doesn't exist yet. We haven't created it yet. Everything that's created has to be imagined first. So it's all driven in the mind. Now, that's both good and bad news because it's kind of like, I think I shared this story with you once, Patrick, where I was driving and maybe you've done this before too, where you get lost in your thoughts and you go right past your exit. Oh, yeah. And I did this. I was going down to St. George, Utah to visit a client. It's in the southernmost end of Utah. And I knew I had missed my exit when I saw the sign. Arizona welcomes you. (laughs) I'm like, crap. This isn't where I wanted to be. I'm in the desert of Arizona. Nothing against Arizona. It's an amazing place, but it's not where I was going. And how often in life do we look around us and we're like, crap, this isn't where I wanted to be. We look at our circumstances and we think that that's causing all of our feelings which is an illusion. It's a myth. That's not what causes our feelings. What causes our feelings is the way we're judging our circumstances. And then that puts us in position to do the next step, which is to create something. I'm in the desert of Arizona. It's not where I wanted to be. I look down. Guess whose hands I see on my steering wheel? Yours. Oh, (laughs) that bites, right? Because it's at first, we've got to acknowledge I am here because I drove here. It's my choices, whatever, that led me to this point. And I'm not saying that you blame yourself. See, blame is a victim mentality. But responsibility, and I break it into two words in my book, responsibility, it's your ability to respond. It's your agency that kicks in. Because the bad news is also the good news. If my hands are on the wheel, What can I do next? Steer it. Take it somewhere. That gives me power, see? As long as I'm in victim mode trying to blame someone or something else, I'm also waiting for that someone or something else to change in order for me to be happy, to experience the feeling. Is it possible to circumvent that? Is it possible to get what your aim is in life and achieve the happiness without accepting responsibility, without recognizing that you got yourself in the situation, having that awareness, is it possible to, to start right. that? To get lucky? Yeah. I don't think it is, but, but well, you, you know what? It's it, it does happen, but, Patrick, there, but is there a lesson really learned? When that happens, it puts people into greater captivity. Yep. It, it's kind of no cheats liberty. them of the experience. Yeah. Well, you look, you know, some of the research that's been done on lottery winners, for example. Yeah. And just take finances for a minute because people think all the time, oh, if I only had enough money or when I achieve or obtain that, then I'll be happy. It's overwhelmingly negative when people happen upon money. I mean, in significant amounts. I still remember a routine that Bill Cosby did years ago. And I know he's taken some flack in the media, but you know what? He has made me laugh and brought me joy 
in my life and I'm ready to forgive him for other stuff. He did good things. He did bad things. You know. yeah. Welcome to earth. Welcome to, you know, welcome to life. Welcome to the human experience. Here's what he said. He was talking about drugs. He was doing a little bit on drugs and he was interviewing this guy. Why would you ever use drugs? And this guy said, oh man, because it magnifies your personality. And Bill responds, yeah, but what if you're an idiot? <laughs> I think money is kind of like that. Money is not a source of happiness. Uh-uh. Money is a power tool. And you put a power tool in the hands of a two-year-old, you got a problem. Mm-hmm. It's going to magnify whatever thinking is already going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. And if you're trapped in scarcity saying, I'll be happy when, or if, or upon completion of, or when I obtain this or that, you're going to be more in that mode if you happen upon money. And I have seen people who are so paralyzed by fear because they obtained money without understanding the principles that drive that. Yep. It's more captivating. It doesn't liberate you. Mm-mm. And people who don't have the money and think that the money will bring them the happiness that they seek, they don't believe that. And some of you listeners might be thinking, oh, yeah. That's easy for him to say. He's got money, right? I've been in a bankruptcy. I've been on both ends of that spectrum. Here's what I discovered, Patrick. Happiness is a choice. And I can do it with money and I can do it without money. It's not the money that matters. And Mm -hmm. when I realized that money's not an issue anymore, that's so weird. I know it's a paradox, but that's what we got to learn. It's our hands that are on the wheel. We choose happiness And in doing so, we put ourselves in position to bring about every other measurable aspect of success, including money. But the primary objective here is that little three-letter word, joy. That's what we're after. And you can have it with or without whatever it is you think controls that. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. My wife and I, you know, I'm super inflexible, but I've come to kind of a realization of how important like mobility and flexibility is. So we started doing like some yoga, like 10 minutes of yoga or stuff. Oh, that. nice. And the lady that does it, it's just like an YouTube thing. She's kind of different. She talks different. And, and mm-hmm. so Cynthia said something. She's like, wow, like that makes sense. Like, cause she was talking about, you know, what goes on in your mind. She's like, everything, your life experience is in your mind. Right. Yeah. And it, nothing is in the physical, in the physical world, if you, if you really think about it. So we had a cool discussion in that regard. But in the end, it's like, it's a mindset and positivity and joy is just as available today as it is if you had all of these things that you think is going to ultimately bring it. And I love the way you look at it backwards, right? Or backwards from, I would say, how we're naturally drawn to, to understand it. And it, which is, you're able to be happy, experience joy right now in the moment, just as much joy as if you had a billion dollars in your bank account. And it's interesting, like what prevents us from getting there. I want to just, because of the theme of this season, the idea of capitalism, I want to just really extract from what we've been talking about the idea that this is an experience that humans, I would say, must go through in order to really understand happiness, joy, fulfillment at a personal level. These experiences, I don't think, can be circumvented or skipped over because they won't be valued. They won't really be understood. I think the experience of life is that we're going to make mistakes where there's no such thing really as perfection in most humans, I would say. 
Mm-hmm. But it's an idea that if we accept that and we realize that we're going to make errors as part of the process, but that errors are a sign, mistakes are falling short or challenges are a sign that there's an incredible lesson. And that's a beautiful thing because it helps build our joy, our potential, our capacity for joy and fulfillment. And it's our experience that we have to go through. You can't necessarily replace that by providing an environment for somebody or providing or taking the experience away from someone. I think it robs them and it does make it even more difficult to ultimately experience it because they're going to have to probably go through even more difficult circumstances in order to have that same result. So it's interesting where I would say a part of our society politically, economically, is that we should provide for others that are less fortunate. And I understand the empathetic drive and intention there, but at the same time, you rob a person in a sense of experiencing certain things that got them in that place in the first to begin with. At the very least, Patrick, we perpetuate a myth that, oh, this will make you happy. No, it won't. And I tend to agree with you. I think we get to go through these experiences in order to learn that. And for me personally, as I went through a bankruptcy, I mean, I used to think that people who went through a bankruptcy were flakes or dishonest. I have a whole lot more empathy now. And I learned Mm -hmm. it's not about the money. My bankruptcy essentially divorced me from money. Mm -hmm. And I learned in that experience, it's not about the money, Mm -hmm. which has interestingly enough, put me in a position where money is not an issue now. It's simply a tool and it flows in abundance. And why does it flow? This gets down to the capitalism. The only moral reason that money should ever flow to you is because you have assisted others to achieve their purpose. Well, it's the same thing as you're saying. It's like, it's the opposite, right? Money is not going to create, you're going to create the money. And so the focus is creation as opposed to to money. And that's where it flows. I mean, it's, it's... Amazing. The paradox of all of these ideas is pretty fascinating. And the money is the receipt. It's not the value. Yeah. It's not the value. What The value is joy in whatever form that comes. Assist people to experience joy and money shows up as a receipt mm-hmm. for the value that you've created for them. That's a really shorthand way of saying It's not even about the money. The money is simply a receipt for the value and the value flow. As value flows from you, receipts come in. As value flows to you, receipts go out. And it's a beautiful flow. It's a cool thing. And it's not about the money. It's not the money that's the value. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. My book, the Amazon bestseller, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, a financial strategy to reignite the American dream is completely changing the way people look at saving, wealth, and retirement. Want a sneak peek? Head on over to www.headsortailsiwin.com forward slash podcast for a free audio and text download of my favorite chapter. Again, that's headsortailsiwin.com forward slash podcast. So here's a question I have that's, I'm curious to hear your response. Yeah. You, as you look at me, you've met with so many people and you Mm -hmm. speak and you do interviews and you have a podcast and you're talking about this all the time. 
when you look at someone, it might be a patient, it might be an acquaintance, and you look at what's possible for them, what they're capable of, what questions are you asking to, because you can't tell them, right? You can't say, you're capable of all of this and you're going to do this and you have so much in your life and you have so much to be grateful for and be happy about. You can't tell a person that, right? But it's more of like, do you facilitate the experience in which they discover that? And then maybe give us some insight on how do you do that? It all comes down to metacognition in my mind, which is a made up word. We make up words in psychology because it makes us feel smart. (laughs) (laughs) But if you break it down, cognition means thinking. And if we put that at this level, metacognition is a higher level. It's thinking about thinking. And notice as I bring that to your attention that you can do this. So you're aware now that you're thinking about your thinking. This is really cool because metacognition creates a space. And in that space is where choice exists. Until we see it as a choice, it's not. Because we'll roll with whatever we're programmed to do. Programming. You and I, Patrick, are programmed to speak English. It's not that you chose it. You were programmed this way, and that's naturally where your mind is going to go. Can you speak another language? Well, yeah. It's a choice to speak another language. Until you see it as a choice, it's not. So you just roll with whatever you're programmed to do. And this is true with what I call the victim mentality, too. If we're programmed in a victim mindset, Mm -hmm then that's naturally where our brain goes. Can we do something else? Yes. It won't necessarily be natural if we're programmed in a different language. So I'm constantly stretching myself just to remind myself that I'm programmed. I took up, when I turned 50, I took up guitar. And when I was 50, that's too old, right? Well, apparently not. I mean, guitar is a choice and it's also very obviously a skill set. So yeah, you can choose it. You can choose to be positive, for example. If you're programmed with some sort of negativity, you better hire a coach. You better put in the practice mm-hmm. hours and be ready to do the hard thing because it's a skill set too. So what are people capable of? When you asked that question, Patrick, my mind went to Elon Musk. And I don't know if you've read the biography of Elon Musk by yeah. uh, Ashley, yeah. I think. It blew my mind. It's like, what? This guy is innovating and thinking things that other people just don't. He's a weirdo, right? What is the human mind capable of? It's capable of Elon Musk. It's capable of Benjamin Franklin. It's capable of Thomas Edison, of Robert Kiyosaki, or of Immaculate Ilabagiza. I mean, what is it capable of? Wow. Unlimited. When we get out of our own way and these limiting beliefs that have us thinking, oh, I'm stuck here because of my circumstances. You mentioned my podcast, Live On Purpose Radio. I have interviewed hundreds of people since 2007. That's before podcasting was even a thing. I've interviewed you twice. And I have found an amazingly consistent theme. As I interview people about their story, usually there's a hard part, okay? In fact, every hero story has a hard part in the middle. So get used to that. And I'm thinking Carol Decker, for example, she wakes up from a coma after giving emergency C-section birth to her second daughter. She wakes up as a blind 
triple amputee. And you'd think, oh, well, I guess I can't be happy now. Well, that sucks. There goes my life, right? No, her book, the subtitle of her book, her book is called Unshattered. Subtitle, Mm -hmm. Choosing a Beautiful Life. It's not about whether you've got all four of your limbs. Mm -hmm. She's got most of one remaining, (laughs) right? I mean, what? Chad Hymas, who had a one-ton bale of hay fall on his head and fractured three of the vertebrae in his neck, left him quadriplegic. And you'd think, oh, well, crap, there goes my life. I guess my life has to suck now, right? You don't hear Chad Hymas or Carol Decker saying that. Mm. So why do we deceive our... This is interesting, too, because I don't think we can truly deceive ourselves. You don't think we can deceive ourselves? No, I think that's a whole other conversation. But I think that we are influenced by forces outside of us. Yeah. And that we shouldn't be too quick to believe everything we think. It may have come from a source that's not our friend. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But we get into this deception where we believe that we can't. And as long as we believe that, we're right. It's interesting, as you brought up those examples, my mind went to when circumstances become so dire, right? When there is extreme disruption, failure, there is a higher probability, right, of overcoming limiting beliefs, right? Than if something little happened, right? And have you found that to be true or is it just maybe circumstantial? Go back to those two processes that I mentioned, evaluation and creation. Now, creation is where we're going to create something, but we start with evaluation. So you used the words dire, extreme, compared to what? Or something that's more trivial or not so bad or whatever. That also is a judgment. Mm -hmm. That's the point. See, notice that you're doing it. Yeah, that's true. Judge to be extreme. I read an Instagram post from a friend of mine, Elizabeth Smart. Mm -hmm. I don't know when people are going to catch this particular episode of the podcast, but as we're recording it this week, a young woman who was abducted at the age of 13 and held against her will, her parents were killed, was found, was rescued this week. Elizabeth spoke out on that because she, at the age of 14, was abducted and raped every day for nine months. What the crap, right? And in her Instagram post, as her heart is going out to this young girl who was just rescued, Elizabeth is human too. And she's comparing that circumstance to her own. And she's like, well, my parents weren't killed. I had it easy. These aren't her words, but this is, what do we mean when we say extreme or extraordinary? (laughs) There's always a comparison. Yep. You have to compare. It's always compared to what? Yeah right? So just notice that you're doing it. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And as you notice that, then see, that's what brings up the metacognitive gap, Yeah, that space where choice exists. And you see, you know what? I'm judging this to be bad. Is it really? And you'll notice that it can only be bad compared to something something better. And it's only good compared to something worse. So what if a hard thing happens? Well, like what? 
I mean, I have people all the time tell, oh, this is so hard. You know, I'm coaching them through setting up a life coaching practice, for example. That's a big part of my focus right now is coaching coaches. Coaching coaches. <laughs> yeah. And, and, oh, this is hard. And I'm like, compared to what? Being abducted? <laughs> Having your children taken away from you? Mm-hmm. I mean, hard. Losing, losing limbs, losing eyesight. Losing- compared to losing your right arm? Yeah. Compared to what? And I'm not here to say... I am not here to tell you how to think. Mm-hmm. I don't have that kind of authority. I just want you to see that you are. And in that thinking, see, thoughts have consequences. And it's those thoughts that have us judging this to be hard or bad or difficult or easy or happy or joyful or whatever. And since you can choose, why not choose something that serves you well and gives you that little three-letter word now? Mm-hmm. You get to experience joy now, not after you accomplish stuff. I mean, then too, but that's, life happens now, not after you do all this stuff. I guess the label or the definition of circumstances, the word that you put on it, that's a choice. And from what you're saying, it could be defined as something that's, that's negative and limiting, but it can be equally defined as something that's empowering, liberating, yeah, powerful, great as far as your experience of life. The hard part of the hero story. And everyone has to have a hard part. So maybe this is yours. The, here's a little challenge. Take whatever it is that's been kicking your butt. Whatever it is that you've been telling yourself, oh, this is bad. And switch it. And just try this. Just try saying, you know what? This is good. Now, as soon as you do that, you're going to have a fight on your hands. Or in your head, more likely. Yeah where your own mind is going to jump out in and say, what? <laughs> what? What could possibly be good about this? Well, it's a pretty good question, but it's not a question. It's a statement disguised as a question. Mm-hmm. Turn it back into a question. Watch your punctuation. What could possibly be good about this? And first of all, it is good compared to something worse. So mm-hmm. notice that. But then your mind goes into a whole new realm where you start to explore this experience that you're having in a different energy. And that is the currency you get to take to the creation game. Have you ever been to CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas? No, but it sounds fascinating. Yeah, so it's a 200,000 people go there and it's kind of like a show and tell of all the new innovative things that are gonna be available to consumers, right? So I went this year and, and it's fascinating where you look at, you know, the business world or the technology world and you have this, the annoyances associated with what we have, which aren't really annoyances. It's amazing the stuff that we have available to us, but I'll give you an example of a dryer. Like most dryers will come with a vent and you have to like that metal thing that you have to find out and get it outside of your house. And it's kind of an annoyance. They, LG has invented this, this ventless dryer, right? And they also invented a way, proprietary way in which they lower the heat and dry the clothes so it's not ruining them or shrinking them. So my point in explaining this is you look at, you know, the innovation that's going on and it parallels okay, to the human mind associated with what we experience in life where there are companies out there all the time that are figuring out ways of how to overcome some of the annoyances and inefficiencies. Right. And, uh, and you know, I would say a big thing is the inversion in Utah right now, the pollution idea. And it, people, mm-hmm. that's an annoyance. And there are those that are like, okay, what can we do to, to figure that out? So 
you know, with our own limitations in our personal lives, I, we can parallel to all of the amazing things that have been created by human beings in the last, you know, just decade, right? That have helped and have overcome some of these limitations. So I think human beings are wired this way. We're wired to experience difficulty, annoyances, limitations, but we're wired to overcome them and become better because of it and use our mind to do that. Yep. It's called creative discontent. And when we're in evaluation mode, when we're judging, discontent misleads us into thinking that, oh, this sucks. Actually, this rocks. And that discontent is more appropriately used in the creation mode because it will steer us into innovating or solving or coming up with some kind of an invention that addresses the discontent. Everything that's invented starts with discontent. And you can look at it as an amazing opportunity. Imagine framing discontent and frustration with an incredible opportunity. And then you're looking for it, but then once it happens, it's like, and then Eureka. There's no question in your mind what you get to work on. Yeah. Which is nice to narrow it down because there's so many things to work on. Follow your discontent. It'll tell you what to work on. That's where all the opportunities are. Yep. Yeah, happiness is boring. (laughs) You know what? You can experience joy and discontent at the same time. Absolutely. It all has to do with how you interpret it, what you're doing with it. Those two processes that I mentioned, evaluation and creation. Lots of Paul, this has been amazing. I had no idea where the discussion was going to go, but... Oh, it's always fun. But I, I look at just how you think and what you've been able to create. And it's come from just years and years of experience with people. And I would say in our day and age, well, there are always going to be people that are stuck. There's always going to be limitations. You know, a hundred years ago, it was, how am I going to have enough food for the winter, right? right. Now it's, where are they going to think of me if I don't post these things on social media, right? It's, mm-hmm. We always have these like experiences where we're getting stuck and we have limitations and, and, yeah. uh, and anxieties and difficulties. But the way in which you frame it is so empowering because it's absolutely true. And there's amazing things that can come from it if you, if you frame it that way. Mm-hmm. And seeing it as a choice changes the game. Totally changes the game. Some people will resist this, Patrick, because if it's truly a choice, then it's my responsibility. And the victim mindset doesn't want to take responsibility. It's like, it's not my fault. Look. What's going on in my life? Look at my, check out my circumstance. This is why I'm not joyful. And as long as we're blaming, we don't have any power. Well, let's hit on this to to end. So why the focus on positivity? What has drawn you? Because I love your perspective here and the idea of positivity. What is it about positivity that is so attractive, engaging, magnetic? That is a really interesting question. And to me, it's obvious that that is the way that our mind operates. The model that I've created, and I can show you on the video portion of this, the model that I've created puts these two processes, evaluation and creation, on the same model so that we can see how our imagination puts us either in a negative energy or a positive energy, depending on what we choose Creation, for example, we don't know what's coming. How are you doing next week? You don't know. Mm. You got something to do with it, but you don't know because you haven't created that yet. Mm-hmm. When we anticipate or predict that bad things are coming, bad things, see, that's a judgment. 
how do we feel? That's anxiety and it's paralyzing. You don't know what's coming. If you believe or predict or anticipate that what's coming is even better than the rich, abundant stuff you've already got, how do you feel? See, this energy drives everything. I get called in to train sales teams. I did a big keynote for the biggest door-to-door sales conference over the weekend. It applies in sales, right? Leadership. I get asked to come in and do this uh, retreat for a leadership team in Park City last week. The industry, the application doesn't matter. Positivity drives everything because it's how our mind works. And that's why I am so attracted to it. And that's why I think the topic resonates with so many people because they can see immediately something that is obvious but unnoticed. And that is that their own mind is putting them in a position. And if that position doesn't serve you well, wouldn't it be good to know that there's a choice? Now, it's a choice, but it's also a skill set. We already talked about that. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily come naturally. You get to practice. And that's why I've set up coaching programs and I've written books and I've run in a YouTube channel and trying to help people with the application of a simple concept. Simple and easy aren't the same thing because of our programming. As you talked about positivity, you referenced a number of relationships, right? You have a professional relationships if it's a sales role or a leadership role, but also there's a personal relationship, spouse, children, neighbors, yeah. friends. Would you say that, that positivity is one of the keys or maybe the key or the most important? Or how do you rank positivity as the, the variable to meaningful relationship, which I would guess is probably the, the common thing that I would say produces that feeling of happiness? When I'm coaching relationships, there are nine principles that I emphasize. And the first one, big surprise, positivity. (laughs) For a lot of good reasons, it's in our most intimate, closest relationships between husband and wife or between parent and child. That's where we get to experience the greatest measure of joy. And that's why it's even more important to apply these in our personal relationships, in our intimate relationships. It's even more important there, Patrick. I'm glad you asked that question. It's assumed in my mind, but I shouldn't assume things. But it's one of those simple things that, you know, is right. Obvious but unnoticed. Obviously, obvious but unnoticed. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's good to bring it to our attention occasionally. And those are, that's just a, that's a, I would, how I look at happiness and positivity, right? That it's one of those things where if you just flip that, the impact that it would have on your relationship, on how you carry yourself, your posture, yep. you know, your interaction with people. It's, it's kind of like a, one of those magical skeleton keys where it opens every door. Mm-hmm. It really kind of is. Yeah. And it's so I'm thrilled that that's the foundation of my platform because yeah. it is so universally applicable. Well, Dr. Paul, like I said in the beginning, we, this could go on for, for oh, hours. Yeah. Why don't we do this? Uh, why don't you ha- give out the best ways in which listeners can learn about you, purchase your books, subscribe to the podcast? Because these are just some simple principles and ideas that you know can revolutionize someone's life. Yes. I would invite you to a couple of different places. I'm spending a lot of time on YouTube right now. You mentioned the podcast, Live on Purpose Radio. There's a dot com for that, or you can pick it up in your podcast app. 
Those are interviews that I'm doing with inspiring people, with some of the people that I've referenced here on the show. They've all been on my show. So there's the podcast, there's the YouTube channel, which is Live On Purpose TV. Just go to YouTube and look for Live On Purpose TV. There's several playlists there. Positive parenting, positive relationship resources, positive leadership and entrepreneurialism. And have some fun there on the channel. We're doing daily videos there. Oh, cool. So it's a great way to just boost your positivity. And then the website, drpauljenkins.com, where there's a number of things that you can connect with there. I've got a products page. I'm offering a free digital download of my mini book, Portable Positivity, which is an explanation, a step-by-step explanation of the model that I shared with you earlier. And we'll put that graphic, for those who are listening audio, put that graphic in the show notes. Yeah. So those are some of the first places I would invite people. And then share it. As you encounter principles that make a difference in your own life, share them with other people. That's important to the other people, obviously, for some good reasons. It also solidifies that principle in your own mind and you become an owner of a new tool that can drastically change the game for you. Well, the whole principle of exchange, right, which is providing what you know and ultimately sharing that with others, I think that's the principle of knowing in the first place isn't for necessarily your own knowledge, but it's also for a benefit from others that you interact with. We can continue on with that, but this has been enlightening. We'll definitely need to chat again just about, because this is is one of those things where it's, you can't escape the environment in which you will continue to discover these principles, no matter where you are in life. There's always going to be different circumstances, as you mentioned, next week, the month after, next year, 10 years from now. There's always different circumstances and the same principles apply in those circumstances. And so it's a conversation the repetition behind it is going to build kind of that strong backbone so that you can approach life with positivity and approach life and really understand how to achieve that, that level of happiness. Yes. And practice it because it's a skill set as well as a choice. Well, Dr. Paul, thank you again for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us and keep it up. This has been very enlightening and helpful to me. I appreciate it. Honored to be on the team, Patrick. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.